Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today, we're finally really going to talk about playing role-playing games online. Or at least we'll talk about those experiences with it. We'll talk about our experiences with it, (laughs) as well as mention a few tools that you may or may not decide to use, and why you may or may not want to use them. We have one scripted portion. One scripted portion. Yeah. But first, as always. And I'm really good at reading. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gift of Games in Gray's Lake, which I really, really hope gets to open relatively soon. Um, Hopefully, we get to open. We're in Illinois. We might be doing some limited opening in the near future. Anyway, and a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well. Um, we are on Zoom now, so you can join us as we record Monday nights, 830 Central. If you want to join us, just go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live, and there will be a link for you to click on, and you will just be part of part of the audience, and then you can tell us in real time that we are wrong or <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. What about this thing or that you thing? You can tell Chris that he's um, wrong. <laughs> I, we have one listener email that we are going to cover today, which says that I am right. So, which is why we're covering it. Um, you got to dig real one. deep for that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Shush. I saw it. I'm like, I agree with Chris. And then he also put it here. Normally, I don't. But this time, I have to. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Um, all right. So how are you guys doing? What you been up to? What it's been a whole week of not leaving the house. Yeah, I haven't left the house. <laughs> Today it was really exciting. We got um our dairy delivered and the dog barked a whole bunch. All right. That well, was it. That was the highlight of my week. <laughs> we got her in perfect box, so now we have new oranges and some sweet potatoes that look like carrots. Yeah, they were really <laughs> little this time. <laughs> yeah. Did you get the Very purple tiny. cauliflower? Uh, I did not get the purple cauliflower. I would have loved to, though. I missed the customizer <laughs> box, but they didn't give me anything that was, like, crazy bad that I wouldn't use. I did get a couple more corn on the cob, which are really tasty this time of year. And we got asparagus last time. So what we're talking about is Imperfect. Imperfect is a, it's a vegetable delivery service. Not available everywhere, but available in a lot of places now. It's a food yeah, delivery like, service. Base, yeah. It's like supplemental, well, not supplemental, but extra vegetables and stuff. And you can kind of customize their box that pick a size, you pick a frequency, and you get fresh produce delivered to your Darby week or two. Yeah, I got I'm it now last getting week. meat, dairy, and vegetables all delivered to my house, which means that anytime I have to go to the grocery store, it's like specifically for junk food, um, <laughs> which is sort of like a self-shaming way to stay isolated. <laughs> But you got to get the Cheetos. We do have Cheetos. (laughs) Yeah. So Fletcher, this is the first time you got in perfect, right? Uh, It was last week and I get my, I get my next one tomorrow. But last week it it was actually pretty good. I have to say Um, some of the imperfect stuff I got was like, like, in any way. No, (laughs) (laughs) but if you would like to sponsor us, please do. Yeah. Imperfect. Hit us up. (laughs) Well, we could also just, we'll, we'll put a code in the show notes that you can use to sign up for a perfect. And then we both benefit from it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty good. I got, uh, I guess some like imperfect apples and they were like the smallest apples I've ever seen. Um, they were pretty cheap. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't feel bad for paying for them. It was like four, it was like four apples for you know, like 89 cents or something like that. And they, but they were really tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Player three loves them. Cause they're like toddler sized apples and he will eat them like all yeah like he'll like just hand me like seeds in stem and like eat the rest of the apple because he's like a monster how old before he started eating apples (laughs) i want to say this started um like this winter or fall so like right around two okay i mean he started eating like sliced up apples before that but like the whole apple he would insist on he now only eats whole apples he will not take slices he will not have apple <laughs> sauce. He wants the whole apple or nothing. <laughs> yeah, Zachary loves fruit. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I would give him an apple. I would give him an apple. He'd look at it and just kind of try he to bounce it He wouldn't be able to do floor. anything with it. Yeah. They're hard to so, eat. Yeah. I'm also not sure I want to teach him how to bite into things to break f- flesh right now because 
he's not when he gets upset he bangs his head against you or attempts to like gnaw on your whatever he can get on his teeth on then he's not like biting biting no he just opens his mouth and is like ah because some kids will really go for it yeah so he's he's getting better um it's very rare that he does it, but he sometimes he'll just have bad days where he's just in a bad mood. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. all right, I get it. But yeah, we finished. We, I, I hate puzzles. I hate puzzles. <laughs> this is my segue. I hate puzzles. And I hate puzzles because you can spend so much time putting together a puzzle when there's other more productive things you could do. Like, you know, get a poster. You don't have to put that together. You can still put it on your wall. It's totally great. Um, but Sydney decided that she wanted to get a puzzle for the apocalypse. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then once it's on the table, I have to put it together, which is why I hate puzzles, right? So it took us a little over a month to put this puzzle together. And it's not a good puzzle. It's not a puzzle that we were like, oh, can't wait to put this puzzle together because (laughs) it's a cool looking picture. It was like literally one of the last two on the shelf that we were able to get. So it's it's a quarter of the day. I'll have to mail you some of my old puzzles. No, no. I have a tangled puzzle. puzzle. No. Well, Tangled Puzzles would be cool. <laughs> it's one of the, the Thomas Kincaid Disney Tangled Puzzles. It's very pretty. Very lovely. All right. I had See, a that I would like. That. Um, so we put the puzzle together, and it's a thousand-piece puzzle. And yeah, you guessed it. There's a missing piece. There's always a missing piece. <laughs> always a missing piece. No idea where it's at. Looked everywhere. But it's like... The cat ate you, it. You can't miss it. So I framed it. I put a white poster board in the back, glued it down to the poster board, framed it, and now I've titled it Missing Piece, and it is now art. It's not a puzzle. It is art. So I've got yeah. some going to say, like, after you did all that. that my toddler and dog have made. <laughs> Should I frame those, too? No. No. <laughs> what did you say, Fletcher? I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, after, after you did all that, you found the missing piece. No. <laughs> if we did, I could pick it out, and I could put the missing piece in there. I, I'm still holding out hope that it's someplace, but I have no idea where it would be. Like the cat ate it. You have to buy a whole new puzzle. The cat could have ate it. Um, yeah, I can't do it. I can't. can't. And then (laughs) I tried to get like a custom puzzle made because I'm like, I can't find anything good to like. So I was like, oh, I can take this Keyforge image that I really like, this card that um, Sydney likes, and I'll just have it like custom printed. So I found a site that would do it and like it'd take like four weeks to do. And I'm like, all right, well, that's the best I can do during the apocalypse. Apparently, puzzles are a hot commodity. And they then sent me like an hour later saying, nope, sorry, you can't have this. I'm like, oh, all right, well, it's worth a try. So Was it a copyright thing or just like a... It was a copyright thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends. Different sites have different things. Personal use versus, nope, we don't want to touch it at all. I mean, I'm not saying it was the wrong thing for them to do. I'm just saying no, I'm disappointed and I refuse to ever touch a puzzle again. <laughs> Except maybe that tangled one. Except maybe that's a tangled one. How many pieces is it? A thousand. I okay. only do a thousand I, piece puzzles. I could do a thousand piece. I, yeah, I, I don't see any point in doing less than a thousand because at that point, I don't know. I Are you even puzzling? The- <laughs> do you even puzzle, <laughs> bro? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of a puzzle is to be challenged. And if you're doing like a lower piece count, it just feels like I could be doing more. I don't know. Yeah. My yep. mom is an insane person for jigsaw puzzles. So she has just like tons and tons and tons of them in her basement. So I'll go through and take ones that she's already done if I didn't help. That's the other thing is like she's always got one on her dining room table. So you just walk in there and you like put 10 pieces in and then walk away. Yeah. Was it Spencer that was talking about him getting a puzzle for a friend and then it was a double sided puzzle with the same image on both sides? That was uh. not Spencer. No. Someone was telling terrible. me. Yeah, someone was telling me that they bought a puzzle for as a gift, and they didn't realize it was double-sided. So it was like a puzzle of cats, and the same image was pitted on both sides of the puzzle, just mirrored. So not only were you looking for particular pieces and stuff, but you had to make sure you were putting together the right side of the puzzle as you were going through. And I'm like, that I never want to do, because that does not even sound like... That just sounds like torture. (laughs) So... Anyway, maybe we'll do... No, we're not doing an episode on puzzles. This was our episode on puzzles. <laughs> and thank you for coming to table. <laughs> we talked about, um, like, other kinds of puzzles before. We talked about, like, game versus puzzle before. Yes. But puzzle puzzles... Uh, I don't know. It's almost worth... If we did a little bit of history of puzzles, uh, maybe, maybe it'd be fun to do a puzzle episode. We'll see. We'll challenge ourselves um, to a puzzle episode. Yeah. Maybe that's episode 200, is puzzles. <laughs> 
It should be Thanks episode 1000. Thanks for 1, sticking 1, with us till Here's the most boring episode we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just put a puzzle together. Um, all right. Last thing before we get on topic is just an announcement that if you've made it this far in the episode, then keep listening because <laughs> at the end of the episode, we are announcing a new giveaway. And those will be, um, that'll be a fun, fun, fun one. Probably. Not really. I could spoil it now, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I really want to spoil it, but I'm not going to spoil it. All right. Let's talk about playing role-playing games online. World of Warcraft. Ready, go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all right. Fine. We're adding that to the mix. It's That is fair. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was too broad. (laughs) We could compare. Um uh, yeah, we're not talking World of Warcraft or any of the other ones that fall. I, I don't even know that people would recognize the other 700 of the online games. I think World of Warcraft is pretty representative. Um, <laughs> not those. We're playing, talking about playing tabletop role-playing games over the internet, whether that be Zoom, Skype, Google Hangouts, um, Roll20, whatever the case may be. Uh, we've recently started doing this with Vampire the Masquerade fifth edition i think yes um we converted a in-person game to an online game yes um (laughs) we've also i don't know that i have played any i think one time i played D &D online um but we did our did we we did play one time online um because sydney was in australia which is a weird sentence to say (laughs) Sydney used to be in Australia. Yes. All right. Because I, I, I remember doing it. Um, and I remember it being it horrible. Was terrible. There was some eh, connectivity issues with connecting to the other side of the planet. There was a lot of that. And honestly, it wasn't even connecting to the other side of the planet. Evanston was having just as many issues <laughs> as Australia at times. Yeah. But we've come a long ways. That was like we four years ago. S- it's more than four years ago. Maybe five years ago. Yeah, we had just started dating. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, so what do you guys think of... So, Fletcher, you just joined us three sessions ago, and you've played a couple yeah. sessions now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you were the reason why, when we were trying our failed actual play, that we didn't do it on the internet. Because you're like, no, if I'm going to play, I want to play in person. I'm like, all right, we can play in Wait, person. Wait, it um, was me? That, what, I don't was remember that being that? Fletcher who it said was, that. It was Fletcher. Yeah. I mean, it was my decision no. ultimately of saying, okay, fine, we'll all be in the same spot. But Fletcher is like, eh, I would rather play in person. I'm like, eh, okay. I mean, it was a passing comment on your side. Um, you just didn't realize how much <laughs> Oh, I didn't know I carried so much weight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to keep my players that you happy. Confirmed Chris's bias, and therefore that's exactly what he did. No, exactly what he no, no, no. To do because honestly, it would have been so much easier to do an actual play if we were all in a separate place, which we're still not doing. We're not all in separate places. I right was going to say that was part of the other issue was yep. getting everyone recorders because we would need that many recorders, and that's just a lot. And then there's this cross talk and there's just a whole lot of issues. Recording actual plays are a whole different issue. Um, but if we were <laughs> able to record them the same way we record the podcast, it would be much, much easier. But in order to do that, everyone would have to be in their own location, which is not what we're doing with Vampire. Because with Vampire, we have three couples and a Fletcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like three men and a baby, but with more drinking. Am I the I baby? <laughs> little, yeah, yeah, you're the baby. <laughs> A little flexy have... baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Spencer's running the game, and Kitty's sitting next to him. Um, and then we have our friends Bunny and Doug, and then Sydney and myself, and then Fletcher. So we have four different locations. So there's four dialed-ins on Zoom. And we just kind of, most of us sit on the couch. Fletcher sits at his computer because he's by himself. And Carmen doesn't want to listen play and listen to him to pretend to be a vampire. Um, I don't know. Maybe she does. Maybe that's the thing you do. I don't know. I'm not judging. (laughs) She just doesn't want us to know. No, she just wants to watch Frozen for the one millionth time. It's a good movie. I've gotten. She just said she heard that. (laughs) She yelled it from the other room. (laughs) Tell her she should branch out and watch some Tangled. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tangled's she watches too. a lot of Tangled too. Believe me. It's great. There's a go to Disney Plus. There's an entire Tangled series with the uh, same voices. Like it's she. The, the same so I, I put it on the other day because I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> this is off topic. But she was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. This seems like it could ruin the movie for me. And I was like, okay, fair enough. I turned it off. Tell her it, it doesn't ruin the movie. It's after it's after the movie, and it's not bad. It's like basically I right mean, after the movie ends. Don't listen and to this. it's not great, but it's not bad. I I like it. Um, I binge watched like all right. You have a one year old. You're trying to get him into whatever he can get into. Tangled wasn't it. He's just not really into TV yet. Um, doesn't stop us from trying. I was gonna say <laughs> it's it's so convenient sometimes. I try to limit it, but you know, with being home so much. We used to go yeah. to so many places like the pool and the park and the children's museum and the library and all kinds of things that I had no idea how much outside world I was consuming until I was cut off. <laughs> all right. So speaking of outside world, yes. vampire. Yes. <laughs> so Fletcher, what coming in cold, so you came into the middle of our campaign um, or maybe near the end of the campaign. Um, I don't think ex- so. I don't think Expect- Spencer's ever going to finish this. Oh, it's going to finish at some point because I'm going to reach <laughs> through it. I'm going to blow up the world is what I'm going to do. Um, is what is your impression of the, not necessarily the game itself, but just basically how the game is being run? Um, Zoom, um, like crosstalk, all that stuff. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot because you, like I think most people would all want to play in person, but your idea of playing the game was to play in person. And I'm wondering, is it... Is it as bad as you expected? <laughs> <laughs> well, so no, it's not as it's not as bad as I expected. But also, uh, Spencer, at least for no, actually, I know because we had the last time I played, there was actually like a little bit of combat involved, and you guys were like, "I have no idea how combat works." This is the first time that we've done combat in the game, <laughs> and usually, like the big <laughs> hangup in these games, but yeah. The, the big hang up in these <laughs> games is, is combat because it is, you can get really nitty gritty with combat and it can suck up a lot of time. But if there's not a lot of combat in the game, then it can flow, uh, much better because you're not deciding like, like, okay, roll for initiative. How much damage are you doing? Okay. Keep track. I cast this spell. I do this ability. How many times can I do this ability? You don't have to like really worry about any of that. It's all about like, you know, maybe rolling to investigate or rolling to spot or like you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Skill checks and, and heavier role playing, which I think right. is definitely a benefit to like you could play this over a conference call because you're just kind of like, right. you know, telling stories. I mean, you can play D&D which the same way too. They actually make, they make for really good actual play podcasts, <laughs> a lot of the vampire system, um, because they're... They are so role-play heavy versus combat heavy. Yeah. I mean, personally, I can't stand the system. I <laughs> I hate everything about this system. I hate the rule book. I hate leveling. I hate everything about the system. The rule book is system. so poorly formatted. <laughs> yeah. There's, there is, I enjoy the people I'm playing with. But you hate stop. the game? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you don't hate the players, you hate the game. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Um, to be um, fair, Chris doesn't like to play in any roleplay game, oh, regardless of the system. Yep. Well, I told um, Spencer straight up, I'm like, I am not a good player. I am a terrible player because if I've been DMing. I've been on the other side of the screen for so much that it's very easy for me. I either have to check out completely or I want to, you know, kind of help drive the story and... I think you've really it's, found a good niche of not driving the story or checking out completely by playing just like the absolute craziest character who is like everybody is evil except for me and maybe you guys, but I'm not even so sure. Uh, that's basically what I do. I am <laughs> my character is a old, not ancient, maybe like a hundred year old vampire who's ultra good at technology but in this world vampires aren't allowed to use technology but i have been given permission to use it to make sure that no other vampires are using it so oftentimes i will just sit back at headquarters 
and like watch security cameras because I'm hideous. And even when I do go out, my main skills are just being able to be invisible to everybody. So I don't talk. I don't do anything. Every once in a while, I come out of the shadows and say something. Everyone freaks out. And then I disappear back into the shadows. And then you decide to confront all of the people who are like giving us information and like our mission objectives and like blame them for most of the issues. <laughs> Vampires are evil. I just, I, they, they just are. <laughs> They're self centered. They're all about me, me, me. And my character doesn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that playing over. Zoom has had a lot of advantages. Um, mm-hmm. One big advantage is we actually play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Which, yep. had I had known... So be- we wait till uh, the kiddos are all asleep. <laughs> yeah. Had I had known that we could do, like, the actual play and, like, actually play, then I probably would have said, let's do it over Zoom. Yeah. I'm... So, we'll, we'll talk about how to do combat in D&D um, over Zoom in a few minutes, but... Um, Because I do want to give that a go. But what we were doing before this, and we've mentioned it a little bit in past episodes, is we had people, we had to coordinate. At the time, we didn't have a Fletcher. So it was just three couples. (laughs) But three couples and two toddlers. Just any old Fletcher. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, Fletcher is better than a toddler. Slightly. Um, (laughs) Slightly less maintenance. Slightly less maintenance. He can go to the bathroom by himself. It's an advantage. Um, he gets his own milk. <laughs> <laughs> Zachary now knows where the milk is, so he can go to the refrigerator and points at the refrigerator and be like, oh, you're thirsty. Well, your milk's over here at the table. Do you guys have an ice milk. dispenser? We do not. Oh, but we're, I don't want to go on this tangent again. <laughs> Sorry. They're the worst. So what we would have to do is coordinate a time that actually worked with bringing one of our toddlers to the other p- player's house. And we have to do this drive or during nap time. Find an all-day babysitter. Find an all-day babysitter. Or play late enough. So we would drive to Spencer and Kitty's house on a Saturday to get there by like 6 o'clock, feed Zachary dinner, and then put him down to sleep. We'd play till midnight and then wake him up and drive back. And Zachary would not go back to sleep in the car. He would literally just stare at the highway lights for an hour silently. But I'm like, I feel sort of bad. It's better than my darling nephew who would stare out the window screaming the entire way. It's just there are, you know, hashtag toddler issues with trying to get a bunch of people in one spot. Um and you have to coordinate schedules, and Bunny's teaching skiing lessons, and um, Doug is fencing, and like there was just so many things. Uh, Fletcher doesn't have a car. It's it, yeah, it was a problem. So we would play maybe once every other month. Yeah. We, our goal was to play once a month for like six hours, but it would end up being like every you know six to eight weeks or something like that. And then we would get together for six hours and maybe play for two. <laughs> like, yeah, because it'd take us two <laughs> hours just to eat, figure out what we did so last we've time. We've got to settle in. <laughs> yep. But now we play on Wednesday nights, which we're probably going to move to Friday nights. But we play at Wednesday nights, eight o'clock. Both of the kids are in bed. We play from eight to 10. And we get on. We played just last week. So we know where we left off. And we just start going. I've also then we been disconnect. taking excellent notes that nobody pays any attention to. I well, I listen to your re- note recaps, and they're very, very valuable. <laughs> and, last week on, <laughs> <laughs> last week on, and it, I do find that it's it is just so much easier because honestly, even though everyone's at home, it's still work days are long days because we're you know juggling things. And you just everything's a little bit harder from remotely, but everything's a little bit easier at the same time. But still, eight o'clock hits, and you just want to go to bed. But once we jump on Zoom, it's like you get immediately that adrenaline rush and you can play. And at 10 o'clock, 1030, whatever time is, we turn Zoom off. It's like, oh, I have to walk up the stairs to go to bed. Yeah. And sometimes we accidentally stay on till like 1215. Well, that was a Friday. It was a Friday. But guess what? My toddler didn't care. And he still (laughs) woke up at 630 the next morning. And also... My baby didn't care and still kicked me awake at four in the morning. And <laughs> Sydney said the same it thing. Fun. It's like, oh, it's the weekend, but I still have to go to sleep because he doesn't know it's the weekend. Yeah, he doesn't like, care. He'll learn. Um, He's going to wake up at 630 and start banging on his door going, I want a snack. 
Because all meals are snacks. Yeah, and the point (laughs) is, it is just nice to be able to jump on for a couple hours, play, and jump off. Um, We do a few things for this game. Um, Die rolls are on our system. I mean, if you're going to cheat with your friends. Fletcher's the only one who doesn't have somebody who can check him. That's true. So I assume he's the biggest cheater. He probably Actually, is. he doesn't have dice, so Spencer's normally rolling <laughs> yeah. for him, so yeah. never mind. I take it back. <laughs> Fletcher's like, what well, does it mean if I, I roll six tens? Yeah. Last game I played, I rolled myself because I just found like a die roller online. Um, but the first game, yeah. like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you could make me roll really bad if you wanted to. And I couldn't argue. I'd be like, okay, I guess I just suck. <laughs> oh. See, yeah. but I look, I, mean, I cheat. I don't know if I'm supposed to know what his rolls are. I'm allowed to know what yours are, though. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, it's it's a system where even failing... Well, the way Spencer plays it is a failure is a failure, but it's it never really is a hard failure because the system allows you to succeed at a cost, is what they call it. So it's like, I only rolled one success, I needed three. It's like, well, I'll let you succeed, but it's going to cost you this story element. And you always say yes, because... You really wanted to succeed. We're big yes anders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it really just kind of like pushes the story ahead. And I think it works. I like I say it works out really, really well. Um I again I But I think don't because like system, we're not but, prone to cheating. There yeah. are people out there who fudge rolls all the time in person. Like yeah. you know, there's so, like we talked about this, we did a whole episode on cheating. But like the further removed you are, like, physically from the situation, the easier it becomes to cheat. Yes. And, and it, I mean, honestly, it's tempting at times. Oh, when yeah. you make a roll and you're like, I rolled eight dice. I got two successes. <sighs> Fine. I'm using willpower <laughs> so I can re-roll three dice. Because... We do burn like, willpower like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the way the system works is it's a bunch of 10-sided dice. And if you roll a six plus, it's a success. So if you're rolling, you know, four dice, on average, you're going to get, you know, one and a quarter of a, or I don't know, a, a certain amount of successes. Uh, Math. Two successes is a moderate task, I guess. Like you, you're trying to do something moderate, get two successes. Three, four, five. Five is like super, super hard. Um, but when you roll these, it's like, I just want to succeed. But if you can spend willpower, which allows you to re-roll three dice, so there's some randomness mitigation there. Um, and as long as they're not you your hunger dice. <laughs> oh, and then you have hunger dice too. Yeah, the system is obscenely horrible. It's just a terrible system. <laughs> it's not that hard though. It, it isn't. It's just, it's a terrible system. The, the dice rolling mechanic is not bad. Um, the I success like mechanic. a lot of the mechanics. I think it's just learning it is so hard because. I hate to say it, the rule book is terrible. I don't have any problem saying it. I'm, it is, I'm happy to say. It is so poorly formatted. It is written like you're you're meant to read it cover to cover and like just understand it and never have to go back and reference it because it is impossible to reference. I have started writing a page number next to everything on my character sheet so that I don't have to keep scrolling around and finding things and then i search for it in the pdf and that's it i can't (laughs) i can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know if you've looked at it yet fletcher fletcher was just given access to the pdf of the book but i haven't looked at it yet but apparently i won't even now (laughs) no it's it isn't worth it it's a three column layout which is horrible for tablets in general and even if it wasn't a three column tab layout it's still the way you search the book is impossible. Some of the stuff is in the index, but not the important stuff. Um, but then some of the stuff is in the table of contacts. But then sometimes it's not an either or it's not the right name. It's just, I don't know. Anyway, um, not <laughs> the system itself is its own thing. But what are the cons of playing online versus playing in person? Have you guys found anything where this was better in person? Short of just a general camaraderie. I have a Technical hard time... Yeah, technical difficulties. Um, I have a hard time directing comments sometimes. It's easy for me to tell who I'm looking at on a Zoom call if I've got like gallery view open up here. Um, but I was yelling at you one time and Bunny's like, why are you yelling at me? I was like, I'm yelling at Chris. (laughs) Please. (laughs) You did nothing wrong. I'm on your side. (laughs) Um, so just like the, 
the directing comments. You've got to be very clear about who you're speaking to. And it's very hard to um, not accidentally over talk people or get caught in that kind of thing. Yeah, I will agree. Like when you're over, when you're talking over people in person, it's typically easier for someone to like stop talking. Someone will give way. I think it's just because of the delay. You don't hear it as quickly. Yeah. So, I don't know. And then side conversations are a little tricky too cuz we're sitting as couples. So every once in a while we'll have like, you know, a quick side conversation with the person sitting next to us. And if you say those if you talk too loud, Everyone can hear it. Yeah. If you talk quietly, it looks like you're trying to talk, but no one can hear you. So then that can get confusing, too. Is your audio working? Did you mute? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, all in all, I think we're actually doing pretty okay. And yeah, it goes pretty smoothly. People can walk out of frame, you know, go get a snack, go to the bathroom, whatever, come back. That is less disruptive than in person. Yeah. So, like, if you're sitting around a table and there's six of you and someone gets up and goes to the bathroom, it's a very noticed thing. Where here, if somebody's out of frame for, you know, a minute and a half or two, you don't really notice unless you're actively trying to talk to them. But that's not really the case. So, it does make it a little easier to kind of just – I don't want to say multitask because we don't actually – multi mental multitask sometimes people will like kitty i think you were knitting the other day and it bunny was, was like How dare crocheting you? and <laughs> bunny was doing some chain mail stuff um but that's like you know keeping busy your hands work, busy work yeah it's not yeah yeah and if I even read the pattern i stop <laughs> yep and pets it i can't tell you how nice it is to not be around a dog and <laughs> end of sentence um but but it's it's <laughs> it's sort of true though because like you know pets can be um a distraction and but the owners of the pets know how to handle those distractions where so it's if you're true. sitting all around a table and you know Riker comes up and wants something it becomes a distraction for the whole table as opposed to the one person who's going to take care of it when we're all remote yeah he doesn't so come there- up to the table and want something he just sits on top of me yeah so I think I I honestly find it works out pretty well. And it's made me start thinking that I want to start up a D&D campaign. And there's going to have to be some minor changes from what we're doing. Because what we're doing right now is just sitting back and chatting to each other. Yes. So I'm actually playing D&D on Friday. So for the first time or for the first <laughs> have you been doing it enough time? For the okay. first time so- recently. We did go through a character creation already, though. So... So what tools are you guys using for your online play? So I'm not sure. My friend Amy is going to be DMing. I am not DMing. I was just told to make a character. So we are using D&D Beyond to um, make characters. Um, My good friend Megan, this is her first foray into tabletop RPGs. Um, Finally, after years and years and years of trying, we have worn her down. It only took a global pandemic. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I talked to our DM, Amy, and she gave me kind of the rundown. And because Megan had never made a character before, uh, I called her on Zoom and did a screen share of D&D Beyond and just, we walked through the steps and I had, um, I dropped off some dice and one of our copies of the player's handbook over at her place so we each had a copy of the book so we could reference things that are not on D&D Beyond but honestly D&D Beyond is a great tool yeah. really good for character creation makes it super streamlined um and honestly and for as long as you don't and running check encounters any of the weird like we're just playing the straight thing we ch- unchecked all of the other content so we know we're just allowed to use the stuff that's there Makes it really easy to go through, and I think it finally clicked for Megan, like, how this game works when we were going over her character sheet. Because I think a lot of people think it's more... Complicated than it is. Complicated. It also, I think they think it requires more creativity and imagination than it does at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it It really is a very easy game to play, especially if you... It, it depends a lot on the DM. But ultimately, most people would just be able to sit down with zero knowledge and be like, wait a minute. So I have to roll this roundish die. Yep. And add a number to it. Yep. What else? Nothing. That's the entire rules. You're done. 
Tell me what you think it's going to do if you do it right. (laughs) Yeah, you're all good. Yeah, what I was thinking of doing is definitely using D&D Beyond for character creation um, and for pulling up, um, you know, just content in general, because you can share that screen. So if you want, how does a spell work? Or let's take a look at your character sheet. Or let's take a look at this monster. What does it look like? All of that stuff you can do in D&D Beyond. And... I like theater of the mind. I don't necessarily, I, I don't mind tactical combat, but theater of the mind allows you to a lot more flexibility. However, I think online, I would absolutely be fine with doing tactical combat and it would be easier than doing it in person. And the way I would run that is either use something like Roll20 or Tabletop Simulator to make a virtual tabletop that I share with the group so everyone sees, quote unquote, sees my screen. And then you know, people's like, oh, I want to move over to here or move over to there. Because in Zoom, you can write on the screen. So it's like, okay, I'm going to move your, my character here. And then I can just, I can be the one controlling the interface so say. no one else has to worry about it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for you to say, but I'm not giving up full control of the combat because that's what you love about theater of the mind. Is I don't know how you manage it, but no matter where I tell you my character is, I am always out of my first range increment or whatever it is. That oh, is you the, uh, said you ran down the ramp, so now you can't do this thing. <laughs> that is the opposite of true. But regardless, the reason I would do that is so that everybody doesn't have to learn the software. If everybody is as invested and says, okay, I'm going to master roll 20 or I'm going to master table as a simulator so I understand the interfaces, fine. Everyone can control their character. They're set up to be like that. Yeah. But if you're playing with a new group, you don't need anyone else to know how to use the software. I you think can just you share should that screen. let people use their own software, but I don't think they need to use their own software, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, if you want to be, if you have like a Roll20 there and people are logged in, it's like, okay, I'm going to move here and I'm going to, I'll make that movement. Even fine. if they just move their characters and you do everything else, like yeah. it's just like running a tabletop, you know, in real life, like you're in charge of moving your character. That's it. The GM will do the rest. Yeah. The other advantage though, I think to not having everyone having access to the screen is everyone doesn't have access to the screen <laughs> and it sounds redundant, but it's not, it, it really is something that people can get lost in. It's like giving a new player a character sheet and saying, here's everything you can do on this character sheet. All they do is stare at that. They don't think outside the box. They think in here are my actions as opposed to when I play with new players, I'm like, don't look at your character sheet. Tell me what you want to do. And I will tell you how you do that. Because that allows people to be, again, I'm talking different levels of experience. Um, the game I plan on playing is going to be either A, people who haven't played online before, B, people who haven't played at all. And I don't want the fiddliness of the technology to get in the way of the game. So that's why I would be like, okay, I will control the map when there is a map. But otherwise, I'm going to show you pictures of what you, you know, set a background to what's going on. Um, this background so right here is actually... cheat. Well, Yes. But that's fine. I get to cheat. I'm the I'm the ruler of the world. <laughs> I hate the other mind. <laughs> I want a map. I want a map every day of the week. Always. Hey, I used to love maps. I still do. It's fine. It's the easiest thing in the world for me to do is throw put a scenario on the on the table and say, "Okay, here's a bunch of bad guys. You're starting over there. Ready, go." And I don't have to do any work for 3 hours. The problem is we don't get anything in the three hours of gameplay you advance. And I know that'd be a little bit facetious on that, maybe, but an hour minimum for combat for what happens in game is under one minute of game time. It becomes a different kind of game, right? It becomes a tactical combat game versus a game. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you like about vampire? Um, you know, I also really like the story elements. I will say I have come around a lot on more roleplay heavy games. And I think a lot of people start that trajectory. They they like the combat first and then they get drawn into the roleplay. It's much easier to I think look at the table and decide what your character is going to do. How do I get flanking? How do I get, you know, to the best um spot for advantage how do i do all these things you know it's easier because you're looking at the table you're looking at your mini and looking at other people and making the eye contact and coming up with things to say is harder for a lot of people 
Yeah. It can be really tricky. Structure is comforting. Having yeah. having that structure. But I will say that as soon as you bring out the tactical, it becomes a tabletop board game and less of a role-playing game. You are not going to be thinking about jumping up on the table and swinging from the lanterns when there's a map on the table. You're just not. Maybe sometimes someone might, but that is not where you go to. I think the best games combine both. And I, I think that goes outside of any system. No matter what system you're playing in, you want to have both tactical, like, fun situations where you have to puzzle out the best solution, even if it's not necessarily combat. Like, when we're playing vampire, there's often a lot of times where we're, like, basically, you know, sitting at a round table of vampires deciding what we're going to do next. We've got these different leads. Which one are we going to follow? Like, that feels more like the the vampire equivalent of combat almost than um you know when we're playing out more social situations there's there's like tactical stuff that we have to like make decisions based on the information we have versus you know times where we have to you know have a conversation and manipulate this person to give us the information we need like those those feel very different whereas in D&D I think the best games you have these moments of like <laughs> almost sometimes it feels like both we were playing our um actual play campaign <laughs> there was one session where we were just in like we were at this party and it was the most absolutely absurd situation <laughs> and we just kept throwing stuff out there and it felt almost like we you know were playing on a map even though we weren't and it wasn't combat but we were doing a lot of rolling and silliness and yeah. but the I, thing is and it was the best part because it was a mix of both of the elements yeah. at once but that encounter could have never happened on a map it would have never felt the same way it would have no. felt mechanical and there are times for a map and there are times for not a map yeah so i'm um, and again i'm not against the tactical stuff i just think it is a drastically different feel fletcher i'm totally. curious what is your opinion are you more of a theater of the mind or tactical or mixed it doesn't really matter to you because you've played a lot of D. And we've yeah, played, and um, we've played a lot of tactical combat when we played. Yeah, I would say that I don't know. I like I like both. I kind of like both theater of the mind and both tactical. I, they both appeal to me. Um, the thing I like about the theater of the mind, at least in combat, is that it, it's a lot quicker. Um, and usually, if I like, like you said, I can just ask, like, "Am I close enough to do this? Can I do that? Can I run up? Can I run up? You know." And I run up to this guy and hit them. Can I cast a spell from here? Is there a column that I can duck by? But tactical is more fun because then it just seems instead of like asking a bunch of questions, um, it's more like a puzzle. Like, okay, like here's how the map is laid out. What do I want to do? Um, so it's like usually less asking questions and more like how can I, you know, figure out this puzzle of like, you know, take down this guy or like run over here and do this thing. That kind of stuff. Yeah. I like the hybrid approach oftentimes where... I will put things relative to each other, um, but not exact positioning. So you'll there'll be a map. It'll have a general layout of what you know the terrain or room or whatever looks like. The characters will be in the room and it's like, okay, you're over here by this guy. You're over here by this guy. And they're like, well, how many feet? I'm like, you're just there. Where do you want to go? I'll let you know if you can make it. But you you see your positioning in relative to everyone else because when you start counting feet, it hurts you as much as it can help you. It's like, well. You are 35 feet away. Well, I can only move 30 feet. All right. Well, you can move 30 feet and now you're done. Whereas if we don't do set movement, I can say, I can say, Oh yeah, you can move there and attack. That's fine. Because that's what makes the story interesting for that particular instance. And if you are always like exact, I think there can be a lot of like fun things that can't happen because like, well, the physics of the game say you can't do that, even though it would be an awesome thing for you to do. So, two things. Number one, I think you also miss out on a lot of creative solutions to something because I can only move 30 feet. So, I can't get in striking range of this person. So, instead, I'm going to remember all the items that I have. I'm going to look through my bag and figure out something else. <laughs> remember that weird weapon we got? I wonder if this will I work in that BS. situation. Total BS. If you're looking at a map, you are not thinking that way. I've never, ever, in all the games I've ever played... When there's a map out there, no one has ever thought creatively. I've never seen it. You're playing in with all bad my people. <laughs> I don't no, know. I know. No, I have played with 
all kinds of people. When there is a map on the table, it is all people stare at is, can I make my movement that far? How, what is the range of my attack? They do not think outside the box. It just doesn't happen. I don't know. Maybe I've just been listening to like a bunch of podcasts with really, really good players. And that's biasing me towards like everyone can play like this because they're just yeah. really good. But I do think it's really fun to to work out interesting things to do in these situations. And I think if the answer is always yes, then it does encourage just like, oh, this combat goes like quick, 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 quick. And if what you like is combat and you like it to be complicated, you like it to be messy, you like when something unexpected happens because the enemy couldn't get to you either. So they are going to use like some weird one-off effect or whatever it is like those things don't happen either in theater of the mind or if they do it feels more personal like so when you're on a map you can see like oh i'm the only one in range this monster had no choice this is how they're gonna fight but in theater of the mind it's like and now the scorpion is gonna murder kitty and it's no fun for her and (laughs) um you know, Which really gets down to the fundamental. Theater of the mind is fine as long as it's an advantage for you. It's not so fine when it isn't. No, I think it it feels fundamentally unfair because it's not theater of everyone's mind. It's theater of the DM's mind in some ways. The well, DM is ultimately point. the decider. And this comes down to my second point, which is there's always, if you're playing a role-playing game, you should always be following the rule of fun. If it's yes, fun, which, break the which real rules. Which tactical combat does not allow fun. you to do? Oh no, it totally does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because you can say, I, "I need I, to move thirty feet," and you say, "Okay, you can move thirty-five feet this time because it's fun." If the if you're telling the GM and they're making these exceptions, they, it does happen. People do it, yes. Chris. So they break the rules. I will say for fun. that the podcast you're listening to, two things: one, they are playing to the audience; they are not playing tactical combat; they are playing theater of the mind. Whether or not they say there's a map there or not does not matter. They you can are playing see the map. The they play it on YouTube. They play on Roll20. You can watch them play on the map. <laughs> okay, fine. Some of them might even have that. The point, though, <laughs> is if you're cheating, if you're saying, yes, you can move 35 feet, why have a map? Why not just do relative positioning? Because it's the exact same thing. Um, like, and then the other most thing- of the time, you don't say yes. Because most of the time, <laughs> breaking the rules doesn't make it fun. But occasionally, so- you just... Like, and honestly, most of the time, you don't even, like, just break the rule. You, like, you come up with something different. You come up with something better. I don't think that it is the rule of fun to just let somebody move 35 feet. I I think the rule of fun is a little bit different, but still. I I agree that your podcasters that have crazy amounts of Patreon money are good players, and they do all kinds of things that make it entertaining to listen to and watch. I Mm -hmm. agree. I'm not talking about those players. I'm talking about normal players. Normal players (laughs) get locked in to what they see, and they don't think outside that box. And you are right that theater of the mind is theater of the DM's mind, but you're wrong that it's only that. It is theater of every person at that table. Everyone has a different picture in their head of what's going on, which is both a pro and a con. (laughs) Yes, because I often think, I, the bard, I, the ranger, I'm standing at the back. Oh, suddenly I'm being attacked, even though our cleric fighter has been standing in front of me the whole time and hasn't gotten attacked once. <laughs> like Every like, complaint you just, have is, woe is me up. complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Every complaint is, oh, no, I got attacked. Oh, I got screwed this way. I got screwed. No, that's not. That's not how it should be played at Theater of the Mind. Theater of the Mind is not out to get Kitty. That's not the concept. It is a flexible way then of Then why do I just... feel like that's always how it works out? <laughs> um, Actually, this is a great segue into our next topic. Or not topic, but into our listener mail. Because at 100%, hold, put a pin in that. I hate that term, <laughs> but I'm going to say that. Because the the email that we got is going to tell you exactly why you always feel like you're going getting the short end of the stick. Oh, I know and what email to, this is. I read this. Yeah. And it has to do with what we were talking about last week with negative reviews. Um, but so yeah, we'll 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 circle around to that in just a minute. But I do want to wrap this conversation up as far as like r- playing online. I think there's just a lot of advantages. There's more pros than cons to me at this point of A, getting to play, B, easier to get everyone 
together. Um, see, easier to play shorter sessions. Uh, normally, if it's like you're going through all the work to get together, you're ending up committing a lot of your time and day to it. Um, I mean, and there are cons, like the just as social nature of it. You don't have that, but we don't, none of us have that social nature these days. <laughs> so that that's a kind this of a... This is as social as it gets now. <laughs> this is as social as it gets. during a pandemic, it's um, the only way to play. It is. <laughs> Unless I want to play with Zachary and Sydney. Um, Zachary just eats the dice and Sydney, you know, she's just charges in head front. Head first, and well, so does Zachary. But oh, anyway, please! No. <laughs> she tries to diplo goblins. Like she does try to diplo goblins. I actually think they're mind flayers, but still. My favorite thing that she's ever done, which you could not do <laughs> if this was theater of the mind, and you would not be able to do this tactical, is we were att- you guys were attacking some group of necromancers or orcs or something, and she decided to jump on some giant pig and ride through the camp to distract them and dr- run around on the giant pig calling all their attention to them so you guys could like pick them off from afar impossible to do in tactical combat theater of the mind it was amazing and a memorable moment i don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> that's because you were pissed because it's like uh you mean i'm too far away to shoot them because i'm like 300 feet away this is the worst game ever it doesn't sound like me at all <laughs> <laughs> it's like an alternate emo kitty <laughs> Uh, it's more like you say so where do you want to be and i'm like i want to be here and then you're like okay you're too far to shoot and i'm like okay i move up you're like okay you're in the middle of combat and now they're going to attack you with melee weapons (laughs) okay you're being attacked with melee weapons. 100 not true (laughs) i'm just going to record every game session we ever have from now on so every time you can like all right let's rewind let's listen to the tape illinois is a two-party consent state and you have to have my permission to record me Fair enough. All right. Let's get this email from Dave, because I think that this will be an interesting um, capping off point. And Kitty, why don't you read this email from Dave? All right. Dave. And I'm going to interrupt you from time to time. (sighs) Hello, Kitty, Chris, and Fletcher. Thank you for such great podcasts. As a doctor specializing in infectious disease, I'm pretty busy at the moment. Guess why? I am walking to and from work listening to your podcast, and it's a great way to unwind after a tough day looking after people with COVID-19. So pause right there. First of all, David, thank you for what you're doing. And wholly humbled that we're your way of unwinding after what must be just <laughs> yeah. the worst days ever. <laughs> yeah, we do not deserve that credit. No. <laughs> but we're glad to be here for you. Yes. Um, far be it for me to agree with Chris. I'm usually firmly in the Kitty and Fletcher camp. I love you really, Chris. I didn't say that. David did. <laughs> um, but in this situation, Chris is right. Humans have something called a negativity bias, which means we find negative things more powerful in terms of attracting our attention and the weight we give them. It's thought to be an evolutionary advantage. Imagine you're in a field of pretty flowers 10,000 years ago. Do you really want to sniff the roses or spot the saber-toothed cat sneaking up on you? Your mind is hardwired to look for the cat. So I think a modern example of this and... Uh, something that kind of applies more to um, what I was talking about is you're in a field of roses. So say you're at a, you know, a park or something and there's a patch of dead roses. You are going to stare at that patch of dead roses and be like, I wonder what happened there. What, why is the, why does that look wrong? Why, what's the blemish there? You will not stare at the rest of the roses. You're only going to look at that one part that doesn't fit in with everything else. I love that. This is your modern day (laughs) example. Well, (laughs) I just opposed removed to a saber tooth like, tiger and put in dead flowers. <laughs> As well, opposed to like uh, really get... bad reviews or something. <laughs> All right. So he, he goes, I'm going to wait to give my feedback at the end here. Hear you out, Chris. The same applies in modern life, but we don't have to worry about pointy tooth cats. We look for negativity elsewhere. Why does the news always seem so bad? Why is the death rate from COVID-19 the current opening statement in every news broadcast? Why are soap operas so extraordinarily popular? It's all about negativity bias. So Chris is right. His brain is giving a massive weight to the negative review, even though he loves Cthulhu Death May Die, because that's what he's supposed to do. But Kitty and Fletcher, you are also right. Well, that's an important sentence there. (laughs) If you know about negativity bias, (laughs) 
If you know about negativity bias, then you can allow for it. If you really like a game, stop looking for reviews rather than the positive. If you really like a game, stop looking for reviews because rather than the positive reviews reinforcing your love for the game, what you are actually doing is looking out for the saber tooth bad review that might show you are wrong after all. Hope my tired ramblings make sense. Back to the wards for me. Stay sane, David. P.S. Negativity bias is an excellent reason not to watch the news during a pandemic. Completely agree. True stories. <laughs> true, true stories. I but, totally agree with what he followed up with. The But to my point, I am aware that human nature possibly is built to be more negative, but I choose to be positive. So, but that's not what he said here. What he said is, if you know about negativity bias, you can prevent you should avoid actually seeing the negative. Not that you once you see the negative, you can choose not to see it anymore. There's a I, difference there. I, do I can choose think, not though, to. That like I can choose not to. We yeah. just spent the last 25 minutes of you talking about how much you don't like theater of the mind because of the negative things that happen to you when you're using it. You said nothing positive at any point. No, I said a lot positive about theater of the mind. I said very little positive about theater of the mind combat (laughs) i prefer that is a personal preference and i'm not saying like like if i'm given the option of tactical combat or theater of the mind i choose tactical but if i'm given the option of play a fun role-playing game with my friends or not i'm gonna do theater of the mind rather than like sit in my room and be like i don't like doing it the way they do things so i'm not gonna play anymore (laughs) you know and also this is a podcast if i don't have an opinion what on earth are we doing here (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion. I'm just saying that your opinion proves this point, where the things that you don't like about what we were just talking about are the negative things that come out of it. You did not say a single positive thing about theater of the mind combat. Because you already... Co- I mean, we, <laughs> let's not go rehash this conversation we just had. I can say nice things about theater of the mind combat, but that's not how this podcast works. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Not arguing. <laughs> I I do think though that um, regardless of you know pundit positions <laughs> that you may or may <laughs> not take because of a podcast being recorded, in general, you can still see something negative and choose to look for the positive. You can go to the field of roses, see the dead patch, and turn your back on it and look at eight thousand beautiful roses. Why okay. not? I, biology. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we are, I mean, Chris, we are like, smarter than our biology. We don't have to look, be our basest I, instincts. I don't want to disagree in this respect. I really don't. But I think that the idea of being able to put negative experiences out of our mind is much more of an idea than something that people can practice in person. It is super, super hard to see something negative and just say, eh, I'm going to ignore that. In concept, yes, that is what we should do. I'm an optimistic, happy person. In general, I am. It still gets to you. That one negative outweighs so many positives. It happens in everything we do. I think it is very hard, but I don't think that means it's not worth doing. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's not worth doing either. Okay. I'm like, you know, in the Cthulhu Death May Die, I have actively, even though now I notice the different things, I actively ignore them. It's like, yep, I d- we played two games this weekend. Both times there were like eight figures in one two inch by two inch space <laughs> that we had to like create an extension to the room in order to fit. Yes, that is an issue with the game, especially near the end. Chose to ignore it. Did not. So it's like, yep, I noticed it. Don't care. That is possible to do. I will never not be able to notice it again, though. Like, it doesn't have to affect my enjoyment of the game, but it will always be something I notice. I I guess it's, like, kind of a different thing. But, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Fletcher, we cut you off, like, three times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I remember learning about the negativity bias in school. And, like, it's just something that you just need to be aware of. Like, anytime you look at reviews online for any kind of product... Like there's always going to be bad reviews and you just have to take the reviews with a grain of salt. Like that's like, or if you look up reviews for a restaurant, like on Yelp or something, like you have to always take the bad reviews with a grain of salt. Um, and the other thing that you learn about too, especially like with reviews, like 
if you have a bad experience, you're more likely to leave a review or like tell people about your bad experience. If you have a good experience, you're not more inclined to like tell people about your good experience. Like you're just less likely to like tell people about it. I tried to make the exception there. And I know right, that but that's like, not if you're, the case. If you're reading I know that it's reviews, true. If you're re- reading it, I love re- to write positive online, reviews. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't. I don't write any reviews because I just find it kind of boring, personally. <laughs> but I'm not going to like. I don't know. Buy like a corkscrew on Amazon and be like, please write this corkscrew. I'm like, no, it's a corkscrew. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to rate this five stars and write a paragraph about how good this corkscrew is. I actually yeah. have a very nice corkscrew. <laughs> I have the same one. It is a very nice one, actually. A, I got you your corkscrew. You did, and I, I use it every. Well, apparently, I, I I'm not buying the right every corkscrew, day, but I don't. <laughs> I use it every day that I open a bottle of wine. Um, but I will agree: the threshold for writing something negative seems to be less than the threshold for writing something positive for most people. Right, and you have, so you have to you have to be yeah. cognizant of the fact that, like, if you read a like you know a negative review, there's probably. 10 more positive glowing reviews out there that are go unwritten. Yep. And I mean, I am guilty of going through and I, I look at the extremes. I want I look at a couple, like if something has like four and a half stars, I'll look at a couple of the five star reviews and then I'll search out the one star reviews. Um, in those cases, I'm usually doing it for entertainment purposes because it's just absurd that, you know, 10,000 people are rating at five stars and then you have 200 people rating at one star. They become entertainment at that point. Um, but if you don't have a ton of reviews, you're going to be looking at stuff that is like if it's just like kind of a back and forth. Yeah, it's it's hard to ignore those negatives. And it's easy to skip past something that could be good because one person had a bad experience with it. If, if you don't dig into it, the restaurant review is a great example. Our server was the way to ser- great worst server on the planet. It's like, okay, fine. So you said nothing about the food or the restaurant itself. You just had a bad experience with the, with the wait staff. I think it's worth going and, you know, that, ignoring that review. But, all right. On to positivity bias. That's going to be our next episode. It isn't, <laughs> but it should be. Um, we are going to do, for episode 195, this is episode 192. We've stopped using episode numbers um, in our intros, but they're on the podcast. But anyway, so three episodes from now, three weeks from now, we are going to do a listener question episode. Um I was going to save this to 200, but that's just too far away. <laughs> Sorry, I just read what you wrote here. <laughs> um, I, I've, I just put it down for notes. incredibly crisp statement coming up. Get ready, everyone. Oh, I'm not reading this out loud, I don't think. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have three weeks to send us questions. Um, they can be basically any questions you want. Uh, just put in the subject questions. You're going to send that to feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. And for... Each person, regardless of the number of questions you send, each person who emails will get entered one entry. Uh, so you can send us like three emails with 55 different questions. You'll still only get one entry, one entry per email. We are then going to randomly select two people to receive a $50 Amazon or Cool Stuff Inc. gift card from the people who send us questions. Whether we use your question or not, everyone who sends us questions will be entered. Patrons will not automatically be entered into this particular drawing. If you're a patron and you want to be entered, send us a question. However, at the same time, we're going to do a patron-only drawing for Tang Garden because I'm too lazy to actually put this on eBay. That was the sentence. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> it's it's packed up in a box, sitting on my front table, and I'm like, I'm never going to list this on eBay. So, um, Tang Garden, Kickstarter, all I'm pretty sure all of the the extra Kickstarter stuff. Tang Garden is a gorgeous tile-laying, point salad type game. Um, not For me, it didn't replace anything I already have, but I've also mentioned multiple times that I'm not a huge fan of tile-laying, point salad games. Um, but if you are, this is one of the prettiest games you can get in the genre. So, all our patrons, um, if you're a patron by... Three weeks from now, um, you will be entered into the drawing for Tang Garden at any level. Um, so if you just want to back it, I think $2 is our smallest. Um, then you will be entered into that drawing. And if you want to be entered in that drawing, you can back for $2 and then cancel your pledge right afterwards. Um, doesn't matter. It's as more of just a, Don't do we that. haven't done anything special for our patrons. <laughs> we haven't done anything special for our patrons in a Don't while. Don't tell so them what, to, how to game them. the system, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what you do. Um, you buy the product, you, are, you use it for two weeks, and then you return it. 
<laughs> and then you return it. If you are out of the country, however, then and you're a patron, you're still in the drawing, but we will work something else out because shipping this game will probably cost about $100. So we'll figure that out when it comes to it. Um, and f- in fact, when we do the drawing, which I'm going to do the drawing quote-unquote, actually live because we have listeners now. So people are watching and, and can keep us on us. So we'll use something on online. I'm going to list all the patrons. We're going to do a random roll that everyone can see. If the first person I draw is outside the U.S., I will draw a second person to win Tang Garden, and the first person will just get a gift card of some sort. Um, And that is... We'll remind you again over the next couple of days. Again, or next couple of weeks. So... Three episodes from now. Not next episode, not the episode after, but the episode after that one. So you have about two and a half weeks to get your questions into us. Um, all right. I think that's all I need to explain there. I'll put the summary in the show notes. So if you, you know, zoned out during my rambling. And all in all, we're giving away stuff. And on that note, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter's at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Awful Good Mom. Fletcher is not Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Leave us a review on iTunes. Those are cool. Check us out on Patreon, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. And remember, $2 gets you entered into a Tang Garden drawing. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, the SGC, the Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Jean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb nope. O'Brien, no, nope. go back. <laughs> Jerry Jerry's Huang. listening to us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, who we also don't say it right, but she won't tell us Not how. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quixta, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Nate Fazblintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letgo. <laughs> I thought I did a good time. Good one that time. Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Raxted, Ron Nelson, Zahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lutz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, and Charles Pearson. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So I'm not inviting you guys to my D&D game, though. We didn't want to play what? anyway. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm going to run it for a group of people from work that have never played D&D before. Yeah, because you like no. to bully non-experienced players, not people who know the rules. <laughs> <laughs>